Chet Tishrei, Taf Shin Ayin Zion. Coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York, I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
That is a duet of Yoni Genut and Shai Gabso. Vieda Kol Paul Alto. Words from the uh, liturgy of the Yamim Noraim, as we are Ben Kesel Asar, we are between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Welcome, one and all. Welcome into the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Mayor Weingarten. Thank you so much for joining us, for being here, for spending some time with us during this week. Uh, we are here every Monday, immediately following JM and DAM, which makes it uh, like 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Israel Time, although um, they'll start changing the clock soon and it'll be a little off, but it's okay. And we're going to be off for the next two Mondays because of uh, the Chagim, Sukkot, and Shmini Atzeret. But we'll be right back at you after that, so we get a little bit of a break. We all get to breathe a little, refresh, and then and then we're back. Lots of stuff to talk about. We're not going to get to it all. That's it. I'm, I'm starting off by saying we're not getting to everything we have to do today or that I wanted to do today. Let's say it that way. Um, Yoni Genut, also, we featured, uh, we debuted it last time, his uh, amazing new song, L'chai Litishu Kati, which is the way uh, the Sephardic Jews around the world open their Yom Kippur before Kol Nidre, like uh, the Ashkenazim have a Tefillah Zakah, uh, the Sephardim have this beautiful L'chai Tishukati. It's a um, poem written by the great Ibn Ezra, Rabbi Avraham Ibn Ezra, one who we know from, uh, oh, he's on the Mikrot Delot there at the bottom with all uh, <laughs> with the Rashi and the Ramban. The Ibn Ezra was an amazing, uh, they were all amazing, obviously. Ibn Ezra was um, a poet, and he wrote many, many piyutim. And he also wrote some general poems, some of which are very funny. Maybe we'll get to it one day. Yoni Gennett hopefully will join us for an interview on an upcoming uh, show. We may, we contacted him, and he expressed his uh, his willingness to join. So, Shimon Peres passed away. We hadn't had a chance to discuss that yet. And um, many in our community and in Israel had mixed emotions about Shimon Peres. There were two separate, distinct eras in his life. But whatever you want to say about the politics, whether you support or, or, do, or disagree, at the end of the day, this was a special man. And whatever he did, he did because he felt it was for the good of the Jewish people. And um, even though I personally disagree with the policies that he held towards the end of his life, I honor him as one of the founders uh, of the state. He was young and very able uh, assistant of David Ben-Gurion, the first prime minister. Accomplished a lot. I think everybody knows by now that he was a key person in uh, getting Israel to the point of a nuclear bomb. He wasn't the only person, but he was a key person. 
He went to France and he really charmed the French and was able to negotiate with them and get not only what we needed for the nuclear uh, bomb, but also um, military equipment that we weren't getting from the United States at the time. Uh, planes, uh, fighter jets, and so forth. And uh, we had quite a um, <laughs> quite a quite a honeymoon there with the, the French until the Six Day War. So we have a lot to thank him for. Um, by the way, many people don't realize this, but um, you know because we have a certain image of President Kennedy, John F. Kennedy. Um, when Israel started in the early 60s to develop the nuclear bomb, President Kennedy, who was uh, an anti-nuke president and wanted to do away with all nuclear um, bombs in the world, was adamant that Israel should not develop such a thing and started pressuring Israel. And the pressure continued to grow and uh, David Ben-Gurion, the Prime Minister, and others were very concerned about this. Very, very concerned. Uh, at one point, they insisted that they send American um, inspectors to come and see what's going on there in Demona, in that um, you know fabric factory, whatever <laughs> clothing factory that they said it was. And um, eventually Israel had to succumb to the pressure. I mean, when America decides, as we know, as we see now, when America decides to pressure Israel and put, you know, put it all on, we have no choice. Just like um, Israel withdrew from the Sinai in 1956 when President Eisenhower put his foot down. So the story is that they set up some sort of a, you know, a dummy part, meaning a, a make-believe part, which they erected to show the Americans, that they showed them a little bit of the real part, which they couldn't understand anything from, and then they showed them a make-believe part, some sort of an artificial thing, building that they put up. I, I, it seems that the Americans weren't totally fooled, um, but we all know that that ended, and uh, Israel continued to, um, to, to develop the bomb under President Johnson. There was a very, very close and... Uh, excellent friendship between Levi Eshkol and Johnson, and, and that continued from there. Anyway, Shimon Peres, um, when he went into politics, that, that's the funny part. Now everybody, you know, looks back at him as this saintly, lovable person. When he went into politics, he was tremendously hated by, by, a, by huge numbers in Israel. He ran three times and lost every single time for prime minister and as the head of the Labour Party, and when he ran for president the first time, he lost, which is pretty amazing. Uh, in Israel, they called him a loser. Um, and he, he, was, um, he was in a constant fight with his comrade, his compatriot, Yitzhak Rabin, Allah Shalom, Zichrono Livracha. They hated each other. Yitzhak Rabin wrote about him in his biography, in his autobiography. Horrific things, really, really bad things. Um, it seemed that towards the end, when um, the Oslo process began, and Yitzhak Rabin and Shimon, Shimon Peres convinced Yitzhak Rabin to go in, 
it seemed that they had a little bit of a better relationship, but almost their entire lives when they were together, he was not considered one of the gang, no. He didn't serve in the Palmach, like all the the laborites, Galili and uh, uh, um, Yigal Alon and and Yitzhak Rabin and others. So he was already like an outsider, you know. They didn't have respect for people like that, even though he did great things. And um, most of his political life was rather tortured, and he was not liked. Um, what changed is that he became a dove. He 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 was not originally. He was pretty much of a hawk. He he was more of the hawkish element in the Labour Party. But um, at some point, he started trying to. Um, make an accommodation with Jordan, didn't succeed. Then with the Arafat, that's the whole Oslo process, which to his dying day, he th- he thought was was the right thing to do. And I, I don't understand how that is, but people get so invested in their own projects, if you will, in their own ideas, in their own conclusions, that they sometimes don't allow reality and facts to to change their minds, or to confuse them, if you will. And Shimon Peres um, never said, I'm sorry. And that's one of the things that I think uh, was wrong in the way he dealt with this. He never said, I'm sorry. He didn't run around when he was president to the families of uh, of uh, vi- victims of that were sitting shiva. President Rivlin makes sure to go to every single one. He um, he was captured in that in, in in that false reality of Oslo. But when he started this, that's when the whole world started. Lovey dovey, Shimon Peres is the greatest. Is uh, he's he's just a visionary. He's a prophet. He's. Uh, He's the greatest leader. He has leadership, you know, and then they build it up. The media builds it up and the Western world builds it up. And Obama gives him all the laudatory, all the awards. And um, and he's he's um, greeted by the presidents of uh, France and uh, by the Queen of England and so forth and so on. And he's a world leader and he loves it. It's very intoxicating. And um, that was the, uh, the, the, those last decades of his life where he became this ambassador of Israel where he could do no wrong and so forth and so on. And in a way, Obama, President Obama, plays him as the foil for Prime Minister Netanyahu because Prime Minister Netanyahu doesn't want to go down that path. And... Um, so President Obama is always like, Shimon Peres is the greatest, is the greatest. He's the guy. We look up to him. We look to him for guidance and so forth. And then he like, he he looks from the side of his eye at, at, at Netanyahu saying, meaning we don't like you. You're not the guy. And a few places in the uh, eulogy for Shimon Peres that President Obama gave, he um, quietly, with a wink and a nod and a hint, attacked 
Prime Minister Netanyahu. Okay, we'll tell you a little bit um, more. We'll go to some music, then we'll tell you a little bit more about Shimon Peres and bring you a clip of um, a very moving moment of Shimon Peres' life. I think that you will find it moving as well. I know I did, and tell you some of uh, some of the things that you may not have heard elsewhere. So yeah, we're going to go to uh, the brand new L'chaili Tishukati, which I love, 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 by Yoni Genut. Debuted last week. It's from an album that he's working on called Daber Eli Be'adamit. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. The organ is 
I told you last week that I'm in love with that song. It's amazing. Um, and by the way, I posted on our Facebook page that, um, and this is rather shocking, the song of the year as chosen by the Galatz, Galat Sahal radio uh, fans, or listeners, or whatever you want to call them, um, is the song Tutim, Hachaim Shalanu Tutim, Our Life is Great. Strawberries, Tutim are strawberries, but the idiom is Our Life is Great. We'll play it next. We debuted it when it came out, back in, I think it was February 1st, and um, spoke about it and highlighted it, and I'm happy that it, uh, we are right there with the um, cultural feelings of the people of Israel. We were talking about Shimon Peres, and um, there's a story that came out um, in the Jerusalem Post where Shimon Peres, um, this this goes back uh, August of 2014, so about two years ago, and he said to uh, journalists, um, David Brin from the Jerusalem Post, that he um, thwarted the uh, an attack that Prime Minister Netanyahu and then Defense Secretary Ehud Barak were planning on the Iran nuclear reactor. If you remember, that was a big talk uh, back in the day when Israel was really threatening. And I believe that one of the reasons they never did it was because um, the United States said, and I get this, if you go out to attack the Iranian nuclear facilities, we, the United States, said the Obama administration, we will shoot down your planes. Anyway, Shimon Peres said, I stopped Netanyahu from attacking Iran. And the journalist says, Jerusalem Post says, can you tell us more? Paris says, I don't want to go into details, but I can tell you that he was ready to launch an attack and I stopped him. I told him the consequences would be catastrophic. Can we report this? asked the journalist. When I'm dead, Paris replied with a wry smile. And now it is being published. 
So there's more to it. Uh, there's there's a whole uh, confrontation between Carolyn Glick and the former head of the Mossad, uh, Mayor Dagan, who's also passed away since then and so forth. We'll get to that on another day. But it, it dovetails, it, it fits in with another story about Shimon Peres, which is um, not as well known. Um, if you remember, when Menachem Begin was prime minister, um, Israel made this daring attack and bombed the Iraqi nuclear reactor. It was a very successful raid, Baruch Hashem, almost miraculous. One of those miracles that the states of Israel pulls off, Be'ezrat Hashem. And um, you can imagine if Saddam Hussein would have had nuclear weapons. Well, this training for this and planning for that attack had been going on for quite a while. And they were waiting for the right moment to do it. They needed the weather to be just so. They needed the moon, I think, to be uh, to to be uh, um, smaller so that there wasn't as much light. They couldn't be detected. All kinds of different issues that that they have to take into account. Well, one day Prime Minister Begin gets a letter from Shimon Peres, who at that point was the head of the opposition, in which he tells uh, Prime Minister Begin that it would be a big mistake to bomb the Iraqi nuclear reactor that it would be catastrophic. Yes, you, you, you could just hear the echoes of it, um, and so forth and so on, and that he shouldn't do it. Well, a couple of things. First of all, we see that, at least from that perspective, he, he didn't change over the years. But besides that, what that triggered was, in the minds of Menachem Begin and others, was that there was a leak. How did Shimon Peres find out that this plan was even in existence? Clearly, somebody leaked it to him in the hopes of, of stopping it. And so they had to abort the plan at whatever date it was that they were planning to do it, that little window that they set up, and they waited months and months until they found the next window to do it. And uh, thank God it was very successful. Um, I'll share with you um, an audio which I don't know that many people heard um, recently, Shimon Peres was invited to speak in the German Bundestag, the German Congress, if you will, on January 27, 2010. And that was for the International Holocaust Remembrance Day. Packed house, you can only imagine. Shimon Peres, the president of the state of Israel, a sovereign state of Israel, stands... One generation after the Holocaust, he stands at the famous German parliament. He speaks in Hebrew, even though he could have spoken in English. He speaks in Hebrew. And he says, at the beginning of his, of his speech, how special it is that he is the president of the state of Israel, a sovereign state living in the land of Israel, is coming here to address the um, the German parliament. And then, in this first clip we'll hear, he talks about the Kaddish and how the Jewish heritage and custom of reciting the Kaddish for the dead, for 
immediate relatives and so forth. Well, here's that first clip of uh, Shimon Paris in full house in the um, German um, parliament. Mekubadai, b'masoret ha-yehudit ha-olechet itanu alfei shanim mitzuya tfila shenemeret lizikho shel hamet lizikram shel abba v'ima banim, banot, achim, achayot tfila yehudit atikat yomin zo lo ispiku lomar o lishmoa האימהות שתינוקותיהן נקראו מזרועותיהן. He says that this ancient prayer of the Kaddish, the mothers whose children were brutally grabbed from their hands, the fathers didn't even have a chance to say the Kaddish, because obviously they themselves were, were then killed. את ילדיהם הנדחפים אל תאי הגזים, הילדים שאלו בעשן המשרפות. <coughs> במעמד זה, גבירותיי ורבותיי, אני מבקש לומר את המילים הראשונות מתפילה זו, כאן, עכשיו, בשמו של העם היהודי, לזכרם ולכבודם של שישה and so Shimon Peres says the victims of the Holocaust the six million didn't were not able to say the Kaddish and so he says I will say part of this tefillah part of this prayer in memory and in honor of all those who were killed, murdered, thrown into the gas chambers and didn't have someone to say Kaddish for them. It's an amazing, if you think about it, to stand in front of these people. And he says, here and now, specifying, I'm doing it here on purpose. I want you to understand where I'm coming from. And at that moment, Shimon Paris reaches into his pocket, takes out a yarmulke, and as he starts reciting, and th- it, the shame is that he can't see the video, but I will post the video on the Facebook page. Please, if you want to see a moving moment and, and a... I, I think such a telling moment of Jewish history as he starts saying, nobody says, he doesn't say, nobody else says, you know, please rise. But out of respect, you see the German parliamentarians, ministers and so forth starting to get up one by one. They get up and then more and more. And then within a few seconds, the entire place is standing And you say, it's one generation later. Uh, it, it is miraculous where we are now versus where we were then. So here is the the part where Shimon Peres uh, puts on his kippah and says the words of the Kaddish. Yitkadal v'yitkadash 
שמי רבה, ולמד עברה כראותי, וימליך מלכותי, ויצמח פורקני, ויקרב משיחי, ויחיוכון וביומיכון, ובחיי דחול בית ישראל, בעגלה ובזמן קריב, ואמרו אמן. יהי שמי רבה, מברך לעולם ולעלמי עולמה, עלמיה. תפילה זו מסתיימת במילים שהיו לי סמל במדינת ישראל לחלום בעולם היהודי. עושה שלום במרומיו, הוא יעשה שלום עלינו ועל כל ישראל, ואמרו אמן. ידידיי, שליחי העם הגרמני ונציגיו, תודה.
from the Slichot, which we say on Yom Kippur as well. Rachamana, that was Kol Achai, off of their album Bikarov. Don't know if it's still available in the stores, but I know it's available online. Kol Achai dot com k o l a c h a i dot com. You can buy each song separately, albums in entirety, whatever. The Israel Show. That's us. My name is Mayor Weingarten. We are on the Nachum Siegel Network, the ever-growing, greatly expanding. Tell all your friends and relatives around the world to get the app, Nachum Siegel Network. That one. We are sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh. It's an organization that is um, changing history. It's playing a part in the history of the Jewish people as it helps people make Aliyah. But besides that, even I think even more importantly, it creates a social aura that Aliyah is a positive thing. And it's doable. That people who, are, who could be very successful here in America realize that their place is in the land of Israel. Nefesh Benefesh is responsible in a great, to a great extent for that. And um, we wish all of them, their leadership, the workers, everybody involved in Nefesh Benefesh, Shanat Tova, Shanat Briut, Vishnat Sigsug. You should have tremendous success in everything you do. Take a look at their website. Do me a favor. Do me a favor. WWW.NBN Nefesh Ba Nefesh NBN.org.il You'll see how much they offer and maybe you'll you know put it on your to-do list. Make Aliyah. Let's see. Mm, what day can we fit that in? <laughs> Thank you very much Nefesh Benefesh. We are proud to be sponsored by them as they revolutionize Aliyah and Israel. President Obama came to pay his respects to Shimon Peres, but trust me, the President of the United States doesn't just cancel all his appointments and rush over to Israel. He came because he wanted to um, give a message. He wanted to give a message to Prime Minister Netanyahu. He was... Without talking, he was, without saying these specific words, he was telling the Prime Minister, look how we treat those people that do what we want. You're not going to get treated like that. He was the only, I believe, I believe, he was the only speaker to acknowledge the presence of Mahmoud Abbas, the President of the Palestinian Authority, And Mahmoud Abbas was the only head of state of an Arab state to come. Not the King of Jordan, not Assisi from Egypt. No, no, no. Anyway, the president, at the beginning of his speech, this is what he said. To the people of Israel, I could not be more honored to be in Jerusalem to say farewell to my friend Shimon Peres. Did you hear that? Let's just review what he said. To the people of Israel, I cannot be more honored to be here in Jerusalem. Oh, wait, so do you get it? President Obama seems to believe, I don't know why, 
that Jerusalem is in Israel. Oh, wow. That's interesting because the White House sent out a press release on September 30, 2016, with the speech that was given by President Obama, remarks by President Obama at memorial service for former Israeli President Shimon Peres. Underneath, it tells you where that took place. Mount Herzl, Jerusalem, Israel. Only problem is that um, they're very, very strict about this in the State Department. According to the State Department, Jerusalem is not in Israel. So even though President Obama said it so naturally, because it's obvious that Jerusalem is in Israel, and if you're on Mount Herzl, you're even in the part of Jerusalem that the world out there recognizes as part of Israel. But the State Department had to take that back. And so they put out a corrected memo and says on top, I'm holding it in my hand, maybe I can post it, I'll try and post it later on our Facebook page, corrected. Please see the remarks below with the corrected header. And the word Israel is crossed out. There's a line through Israel. It just says Mount Herzl, Jerusalem. And the word Israel is crossed out. Now, do you understand how insulting that is? You know, you want to take out the word Israel. There are a lot of ways to... We, we live in a very, very advanced technological world. You could, you know, even use whiteout, you know, available in the previous generation. You can take it off with a word processor. You can erase it. You can cover it. You can do so many different things. But no, no, the State Department or the White House in this case... No, they wanted to make sure that you understand that they're crossing out Israel. Because Jerusalem is not in Israel, even though the president slipped there for a minute and he spoke to the people of Israel from Jerusalem. Oh, my God. Well, on Yom Kippur, he'll, he'll do an al-chait, I guess, for that. We have another uh, story that we want to share with you, and we'll do so after the next song. It's about Prince Charles and his secret, quote-unquote, visit to his grandmother's grave. And where is his grandmother buried? Oh, my gosh, I got to tell you something. I never knew this until this past week when it became news. His grandmother is buried in Yerushalayim. <laughs> Whoa! Okay, we'll go to um, the Madre Goat with Shafal Ruach. Another Sephardic piyut from the Yamim Noraim. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Shifa, Shifa, Shifa. 
Drake Goat with Shafal Ruach off of the Sephardic Liturgy for Shoshana Yom Kippur. It's a beautiful, who wrote Shafal Ruach? Wow, I don't remember offhand. It is a beautiful, beautiful piyut. And, um, you know, one of those days, oh, it's, it, here it is, written by the great Shlomo Ibn Gabirol, who you might know as a street name in Tel Aviv and Yerushalayim, but he was a great poet uh, during the uh, Spanish um, the the golden age of Spain, Shafal Ruach. Uh, there's so much to say about it, but we can't do it now. But we will in the future. Um, so this blew me away. Prince Charles, the British heir to the throne, quietly visited his grandmother's grave at a Jerusalem convent on the Friday afternoon after the funeral of um, Shimon Peres. It was a rare opportunity, reports the Times of Israel, for Charles to visit the site of his grandmother's burial. A Telegraph report, that's the, the British newspaper, The Telegraph, in late 2015 said British royals were unlikely to visit Israel before the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is resolved. You understand? They don't go to Kivrei Avot 
until the uh, until the dispute is resolved. And I guess they figured he figured that you know, being that that's not going to happen in his lifetime, he may as well take this opportunity. The royal family can't really go there, a British government source told the newspaper at the time. Quote, in Israel, so much politics is caught up in the land itself that it's best to avoid these those complications altogether by not going there. Well, a couple of interesting points. First of all, Prince Charles's grandmother, it's his paternal grandmother, so the Queen of England, what's her name, Queen Elizabeth, I believe, is married to Prince Philip. His mother, his mother is this um, Princess Alice of Battenberg. Very interesting life. She famously now, but again, I don't know how we didn't know this all these all these years. The mother of Prince Philip of of uh, of England. She was living in Greece during World War Two. This is just one snippet about her life. She left led a very difficult life, actually. Um. So after the fall of Italian dictator Benito Mussolini in September of 43, the German army occupied Athens, where a minority of Greek Jews had sought refuge. The majority, about 60,000, uh, were deported. There was a total population of about 75,000, 60,000 were deported to Nazi concentration camps, where all but 2,000 were killed. It says here died, but that's such a bad... They didn't die. They were murdered. During this period, Prince Andrew, Princess Andrew, that means they call her here, Princess Andrew, Princess Alice of Battleborough, hid Jewish widow Rachel Cohen and two of her five children who sought to evade the Gestapo and deportation to the death camps. It's amazing. So the Queen of England's mother-in-law, basically, hid a Jewish family in her royal palace in Athens. Rachel's husband, Chaimaki Chaimaki Cohen, had aided King George I of Greece in 1913. In return, King George had offered him any service that he could perform should Cohen ever need it. Cohen's son remembered this during the Nazi threat and appealed to the princess um, and she honored the promise and saved the Cohen family. In uh, 1994, in October of 94, her two surviving children, the Duke of Edinburgh, which is the way they reference the, the Queen Elizabeth's husband, and Prince George of Hanover, it's very complicated, the royals are very complicated to follow, went to Yad Vashem in Jerusalem to witness a ceremony honoring her as righteous among the nations. For having hidden the cones in her house in Athens during the Second World War. Prince Philip said of his mother's sheltering of persecuted Jews, I suspect that it never occurred to her that her action was in any way special. She was a person with deep religious faith and she would have considered it to be a perfectly natural human reaction to fellow beings in distress. In 2010, the princess uh, 
this, um, Princess Alice, uh, was posthumously named a hero of the Holocaust by the British government. So, first of all, obviously, the Queen's husband did go to Israel and uh, participated in that Yad Vashem ceremony. Also noted, by the way, and this story was all over. I mean, nobody could think that this was going to be a secret thing. There were pictures taken, everything. Um, um, He brought with him, obviously he had planned this trip, and he brought with him the stems from the flowers to put on the grave, the stems from the gardens of Burke Hall in Scotland, which was once the home of Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother, as he paid tribute to Prince Philip's late mother. And where is she buried? She's buried, uh, she asked, actually, to be buried in, um, in a church, in, the, in a crypt in a church on Har Hazetim. Originally, when she passed away, she died, uh, she was in Buckingham Palace in London uh, in December of 69. And that's where she was initially buried, actually in, in Windsor Castle. But being that before she died, she expressed her wish to be buried at the, this church. It's called the uh, Convent of Mary Magdalene in Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives. And in 1988, 1988, her wish was realized and she was buried there. That, I, I never knew that. I, I never heard any tour guide talk about it. it. I just find it fascinating that she's buried there, that nobody knew about it, that Prince, Prince Charles had the guts to say to the rest of the world, you know what, I'm going. Um, by the way, just to mention, um, give you an idea, all, all of this stuff, um, all, all of these places in Christianity actually obviously come from the Hebrew. So Magdalena is Migdal. It's a, a town in the northern part of Israel, which this person was from. And the Garden of Gethsemane, where every Christian knows that word, is actually the Garden of Gat Shemanim. Gethsemane is Gat Shemanim. It's an olive press, and it's the Mount of Olives for a reason. Okay, we uh, we ran out of time, so uh, we'll stop here. Where we? But 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 before we stop, we're going to say thank you. First of all, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for all your Facebook likes and comments, and um, I encourage you to continue to like the Facebook page, both the posts, but also get people to like the page if they haven't yet. It would be great. Um, We are at 399 likes! Oh my God, one more to 400! We're going to post later on in the day links to the songs that we played, links to the pictures of of Prince Charles on Harazay team, pictures of uh, and the video of Shimon Peres saying Kaddish in the uh, Reichstag, all that stuff we'll post during the day. Coming up, oh, I'm sorry, thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network, of Rummy and everybody else, and my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, encore presentations of Eternal Flame with Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson, followed by headlines with David Lichtenstein, and then the great Monday Music Marathon. Until next time we meet, I wish you one and all a gemar chatimatova, chag sameach, chag sukot, chag shmini atzeret, healthy and a happy one for everybody. And until next time we meet, this is Mayor Weingart reminding you that nice guys do not 
finish last. They're just running in a different race. Thank <laughs> you. 